0: It's time for the Mr. Wonderful Show. Here's your host, Mr. Wonderful. Welcome back, friends. It is another episode of the Mr. Wonderful Show. So happy you could be here. If it is your first time, well, welcome in. If you are a returning listener, well, again, welcome back. Uh, But if you are a first-time listener, please like and subscribe. Give that little follow button the click. Bing! And get notified. Every time a new episode drops and a lot to get to in this week's episode. Uh, exciting things going on in my life because as I record this early morning on Wednesday, October 13th, the NHL season is underway. Uh, no, this isn't going to turn into a hockey podcast all of a sudden, but I will be going to opening night for my favorite hockey team. The New York Rangers going to be in Washington, D.C. I live in Only about two hours outside of D.C., so got together with one of my friends who is a Washington Capitals fan, or I should say getting together with one of my friends who is a big Washington Capitals fan who lives out about two hours from where I live. So he's heading up to D.C., I'm heading up to D.C., we're going to have a little college get-together again, one of my old college friends and myself, checking out some hockey this evening. So getting this show wrapped up, and once I finish wrapping this show up, well, that's when I hit the road and take off to D.C. for an evening. Uh, and, then, and then wildly, I get to come back from Washington on Thursday, work on Friday, and then go back up to Washington, D.C. for the weekend because the girlfriend's brother going to be getting married. So got to attend that as the good boyfriend that I am. But hopefully things going good in your neck of the woods. Uh, and let's get into it. There's a lot that's been going down since last week. Uh, I do not have a James Bond review because actually going to be seeing that the plan is to see that movie tomorrow because, of course, when I'm in my nations, in our nations, well, for all of our American listeners, I see I see the listeners overseas. And I thank you all. Israel had uh, had some listeners over in Israel, which was pretty big. The show blowing up in Israel and maybe a bad choice of words. Sorry. But uh, I've seen, I see all of you foreign listeners as well, so thank you all for listening. But here in America, uh, going to be in the Washington's capital, in the capital, I should say, Washington, D.C. And yeah, my plan is to go see James Bond at a movie theater instead of doing some sightseeing when I'm up there. But yeah, going up for a hockey game and then to see James Bond. So the No Time to Die review going to be coming a little bit later on. But I have been watching some things mentioned a week ago that been trying to do the 31 Days of Spooky, and part of that was I did not watch it on the live premiere Tuesday night, but I watched it this morning before I went into work because, again, if you're new to the show, I work in radio and I do morning radio, so my hours are completely flipped from normal 9 to 5 folks. So the new Chucky series debuted over on the Sci-Fi Network, and I checked it out this morning before I headed on Into Work, woke up about an hour earlier than normal so I can give the show a watch. And I got to say, I was interested when they announced that there was a Chucky series coming. I was very much like, hey, what, there's some places we can go. I had watched some of the previous, not some of the previous, I have seen all of the films, including the last two that came out on uh, direct to video release. And I you know, there it was left at an interesting point. The Cult of Chucky film was left at a point where I was curious where it could go. So when they announced the television show was on the way and it was the original creator and everybody was on board and it was a continuation of Chucky, I was curious because I went, hey, you know, you can do a lot by giving yourself, you know, I, I want to say it's a 10-episode season, but even if it's eight episodes or whatnot, you, you give yourself some room to work with a TV show, but also I wasn't certain how this jump would work. If it could work, if it, you know, there are restrictions as well to television. Yes. It's the sci-fi network. Yes. You can argue things like, well, cable television has come a far way since what I'm thinking here, you know, since, since my days as a kid, you can get away with a lot more. And and the walking dead really did change a lot of that. I would say with AMC and things like that. So yeah, there's the chance that this could have gone down the uh, a really bloody path. But I, I really thought that this show would be hindered by television censors. And I got to tell you, episode one, through all of those, any fear that I had that you might have out the window, really out the window, it was as violent as it could have been it was as foul-mouthed as it could have been it really truly sets a good tone the debut episode of the new chucky series on sci-fi and has me super excited for where this is going to go and and where this franchise is heading as well because listen i'll i'll, I'll say this i like chucky one of my first big dates was to go see Seed of Chucky. In fact, the night I went to go see Seed of Chucky was the night that I had my first ever kiss and my first ever makeout session. Took my girlfriend at the time, did a double date with another friend back on Long Island growing up, and we went to go see Seed of Chucky. And I guess Jennifer Tilly and Redman and Chucky and all of that good stuff is what got the girls excited because after the movie... We had the make out session in my friend in my friend's van, you know, me and my girl and him and his girl just did the dual makeout stuff that you do when you're, you know, young and dumb and still in high school. But I have a connection to this franchise, but it's not my favorite IP. It's not my favorite of the serial killers. I enjoy, you know, the first Child's Play film a lot. I really like Child's Play 2. I'm not a big fan of Child's Play three. And then I get a kick out of The Bride of Chucky. of Chucky is just dumb. But I really did like the last two, The 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 Cult of Chucky, the last one, and then I'm um, forgetting the name of the one prior to that that had Brad Dorff's daughter pop up as the uh, main, I guess, want to call her the final girl in that film. I'm trying to remember the name of that one now. Uh, I know Rob's probably screaming, review it, Rob, it's probably screaming at his radio right now. Uh, the name of it, and and I could just Google machine it, but I won't. Uh, but yeah, I, I I get down with the Chucky films, but not... I'm a nightmare guy. That's mine. I'm Freddy Krueger all the way. I defend the bad Freddy Krueger films. I, I don't need to defend the good Freddy Krueger films, which really there are only like three of them if you exclude Freddy versus Jason. If you include that, then there's really like four good Freddy movies. But Chucky, I get down with... Uh, but I gotta say, the show really has me invested right now in this franchise again, in this character, in uh, Ray Charles, in in where this is going, and I'm totally on board. If you missed the debut episode again, please go give this a watch. I guarantee you, if you are a fan of anything horror-related, uh, if you are kind of like me and you like the Child's Play stuff and the Chucky stuff, but it's not... Your favorite, you're not clamoring for more Chucky. I guarantee that if you watch this debut episode, this first episode, you're going to be clamoring for the rest of this uh, the rest of the season because some great things have been laid out. I got a real kick out of the talent show sequence. I uh, the big death that comes in the episode, you could see it coming. You had a feeling it was coming, but man, it didn't it didn't hold back which again part of what i was afraid of was how far could this show go and i almost feel as if they got away with a little more than they would have in a motion picture but again this is going to take its time it's going to slow burn us it's going to tie into the all the films so i'm excited to see where chucky goes i'm excited to watch the show on the sci-fi network And uh, yeah, from from there on out, I guess I I guess I'll be doing uh, weekly reviews as I punch the microphone, uh, weekly reviews for the new Chucky series. So as I mentioned, no time to die. Uh, I have a review for that coming up hopefully next week, as well as a review for Halloween Kills, which is going to be a tough see this weekend with uh, the wedding and everything going on with that. So my timing, the drop of that movie couldn't have been any worse for me. Uh, but some other things I've been watching, I've been sticking up with the Ghost-tober stuff over on Discovery+. Plus. Uh, a lot of fun things going on there. The Eli Ross show that just debuted, uh, the, the Ghost Ruined My Life, really scary and, and wasn't what I was expecting, actually. I was expecting a full-blown reenactment show. It ends up actually being more of a reenactment, but interviews with the people, And at locations where those things happen. So the first episode, really scary. The second one was really scary. But digging that show. Uh, Of course, I'm digging everything that Zach Baggins has been a part of. Uh, Still keeping up on the Zach Baggins cooking show. As well as the other Halloween cooking shows that they got going on. Because that's the thing. At night when I'm going to sleep, I can get my girlfriend to watch something spooky with me. Like I... We watched Cabin in the Woods this past week. Stuff like that. I've gotten her to watch some of those things. Uh, we watched... Uh, she finished Scream with me the other day. Because uh, we're going to talk about Scream a little bit later on in the show. With the first trailer for the fifth film coming out. But she watched the ending of the first film with me. Because after I saw that trailer yesterday, I had to go back and re-watch the first one. So, you know, I get her on a few of those things. But at the end of the night, when we're laying in bed, it's really easy to just be like, Alright, let me put on this cooking show. Because... She loves cooking shows. I love spooky stuff. So Discovery Plus provides both of us something to watch. I get to get my little spooky on at night and see people create weird and interesting cakes, and she gets her cooking. So it's a, it's a win-win for both of us. So been watching a lot of that. Uh, one of the other things, though, I watched that I, I got to bring up because I really forgot how good this movie is and just how gory it is, and that was The Descent. I decided to give that a rewatch the other day. And I gotta say, it's it's a damn good movie. It still holds up. It's still very scary. It's still just I, I really, again, I forgot how gory this film was because when I went into it, I was like, I really I remember really enjoying this movie. I remember none of my friends wanted to go see it with me. So I went to the movies by myself one night because I was pissed at my friends. Uh, who just refused to go see that film. And I walked out of that movie theater in love. That was one of my favorite films when it came out. And I hadn't rewatched it, I want to say, in a good eight or nine years, almost a decade. Definitely was almost a decade since the last time I watched that film. And in fact, I think part of the reason behind that is I owned it and now I can't find it. So I, I watched it on Amazon Prime Video, which thankful that it was on there because, yeah, it's it still holds up all these years later. It's still filled with the claustrophobia, uh, those fears of darkness. But again, the amount of violence that was in that movie, I forgot just how violent and gory it is. But kudos. Uh, I think it's a really good a good movie, uh, and if you're looking for something to watch this Halloween season, and, you know, it's been a while since you've seen The Descent, or you've never seen The Descent, again, it's on Amazon Prime Video, it is absolutely worth a watch, uh, but again, just uh, really, truly was blown away at how much I forgot about that movie, and how about, because I went in and I was like, yeah, I remember it was more like an alien, right? It, it's just kind of the claustrophobia thing, and then stuff happens, nah, it's, the alien thing, and then it goes, like, I don't want to say the thing, but it just, it goes violent. And it gets bloody and gory. And uh, I I totally forgot, but yeah, a, a, still a great movie. Really, really enjoyed that rewatch. Uh, not sure what else I'm going to get to rewatch this year. I'm, I'm coming up on the Nightmare Films for sure. I uh, definitely want to rewatch another Scream movie at some point. Probably Scream 4, even though I watched that just a couple months back, because I was digging something. I just, for some reason, Scream 4 came up one day. People brought it up about how it's an underrated movie, and just now that people are starting to remember how good that film actually is, made me rewatch it, but uh, The Descent, throw that one on your Halloween watch list if you haven't seen it in a while or you've just never seen it before. Uh, so we're going to do retro of the week again this week. Uh, I do again, have some news and stuff like that. I also got some fun. Maybe we'll push this to next week since it'll be closer to Halloween or maybe I'll just save this for the Halloween week in two weeks. But I do have uh, a story on some things that interesting facts from horror movies. So again, maybe, maybe I push this to, uh, next week or the week after that. Uh, I got uh, my list of 10 really cool, interesting, scary movie facts, uh, so, yeah, let's get into it. It is time to jump into the retro of the week, do a little time warp, head on back in time on this Way Back Wednesday. Maybe that's what we call it, the Way Back Wednesday, the retro machine. Either way, we're in our DeLoreans. Let's go back and look at some moments in pop culture uh, on this week, back in, back in the day. Uh, and let's start with October 11th, all right? So, October 11th, 1990, It was 30 years ago that the highest rated episode of The Simpsons in show history ever aired on Fox. And that was Bart Gets an F, which I had no idea was the highest rated Simpsons episode ever. And if you had told me that that was the episode that was one of the highest rated, I would have laughed at you, honestly, because it's not one of my all time favorites. I remember the episode a lot, you know, with the, oh, please give me one more, just one more snow day. And Bart still gets the F and then does the whole showing display of knowledge and ends up getting like a D minus and, you know, passes and then never graduates because the Simpsons have never advanced any point in time. They didn't do the South Park thing where they age the kids up, but when you look back on this. And when I started doing a little more of the deep dive into it, it's going to make sense to you why this ended up being the highest rated episode of The Simpsons, even if it is not one of the classic episodes of the early Simpsons episodes, because you have to remember that the first season of The Simpsons was a bona fide phenomenon. Within just a few episodes, everyone in the country had heard of The Simpsons family, merchandise on the shelves of Every store, not just when you go to Universal Studios, I'm talking every store. So, for its second season, Fox made the bold decision to move the show from Sundays to Thursdays at 8 to compete head-to-head with The Cosby Show, which happened to be the top-rated sitcom at the time. Both shows drew enormous audiences on that night 30 years ago, October 11th, the night that they both had Their season premieres. Now, The Cosby Show did win. They had a slightly bigger audience, but the audience for The Simpsons shattered expectations. It ended up receiving an 18.4 rating, 29 share, and approximately 33.6 million viewers. So 33.6 million viewers tuned in for The Simpsons. The Cosby Show, I didn't get their numbers, but they were slightly better that means close to 70 million people were tuned into television that night uh, just between these two shows combined. Now, as I mentioned, Bart Gets an F isn't one of my favorite episodes. I don't even really think that it's one of the all-time storylines about Bart's academic struggles uh, because there tends to really be a quality ceiling on all of the ones that they've done over the years. And those episodes were kind of largely dropped as the show figured out Homer was the real drawing card. But its place in history is absolutely unquestioned as we just celebrated 30 years of uh, The Simpsons having its highest draw and The Simpsons really honestly having a chance to upend and upseat and dethrone The Cosby Show. Uh, So, and out of the two, listen, one's legacy, has been completely destroyed and is practically been erased from history while The Simpsons have just remained strong and they have a much broader, legitimate appeal to uh, a mass audience that, uh, in my opinion, is what has given them uh, the run that they have now had over 30 years, 700 episodes, and all of them on Disney+. Plus. But yeah, The Simpsons. Bart gets an F the highest-rated episode in Simpsons history. Also on October 11th, Saturday Night Live premiered back in 1975, so a big hat tip to them for continuing on. Uh, 35 years ago, on October 12th, George Harrison's single, Got My Mind, Set On You, was first released. And what makes this a big moment in pop culture history is that It's actually the final solo number one hit by any Beatle. All four members of the Beatles had musical success outside of the band, and yes, that includes Ringo. They had a collective 31 non-Beatles number one Billboard hits, but it had been quite a while since the last one, which was George Harrison's Got My Mind Set On You. The song came out, as I mentioned, October 12, 1987, Ended up hitting number one, though, on January of 1988. Now, the song itself isn't really a masterwork. It it actually elicited one of Weird Al's uh, more biting parodies in This Song is Just Six Words Long. But was poppy, 80s bubbly enough, it topped the charts now. While no post-Beatles song from the group has hit number one since, I do want to recognize that Paul McCartney did have an album reach number one just three years ago, so hasn't been all that bad for the Beatles or former Beatles members. But yeah, crazy to think, 34 years ago was the last number one hit by any member of the Beatles on the Billboard Hot 100. Now, another song released on that date 34 years ago, October 12th. Yeah, that's right, Poison drop their single every rose has its thorn also on october 12th uh in 1992 it was brett the hitman Hart for the first time ever becoming the WWF heavyweight champion uh october 13th 28 years ago we gotta recognize it right now one of the Best, I'm going to say Christmas films to ever come out, and that is The Nightmare Before Christmas hit theaters. Now, this was a movie that has very gradually worked its way into being a holiday staple because it seemingly accidentally did one brilliant thing, and that was bridging the gap between a Halloween movie and a Christmas movie. Now, I, I called it a Christmas movie, and that's because the debate still continues today. Is it a Halloween movie or a Christmas movie? My reasoning behind this is, yes, this is Halloween, a great song. Yes, we're in Halloween town. Yes, Jack Skeleton. Yes, all all the things that people argue for Halloween, I see it. But the thing that does it for me that makes it a Christmas movie is the fact that it has that old school Christmas animation style to it, the claymation thing. So it plays like the old Rudolphs, the old frosties and stuff like that. But it's music. It's music is very much in the vein again of all those Christmas classics that we know. So that is why I lean more into this is a Christmas film. I think it's a good listen, I'm not gonna hate on you if you watch this movie for Halloween. For me personally, it's become more of a around Thanksgiving film that I kind of watch that I want to still be in the spooky season with October and Halloween, but I also want to start getting ready for Christmas. So I'll throw on the nightmare before Christmas sometime, usually around Thanksgiving and the black Friday uh, and that weekend and all of that. But, but again, it really to me is the soundtrack and the animation style. It, It gives the holiday nostalgia catnip of a Christmas movie. Uh, Another movie that was released on this date, October 13th, back in 1989. Look who's talking. Hit theaters. Yeah. The one with John Travolta. Ooh. Boo. Also, Jennifer Lopez debuted as a fly girl on In Living Color in 1991. And The Spice Girls Spice Up Your Life. That was released in 1997 on this day. And then another movie I want to mention because... It's not good, but I loved it because I loved the SNL skit. But it was one of those should have stayed an SNL skit. The Ladies' Man hit theaters in 2000. And since that day forward, everybody who I met that ever wanted to be in radio has made a Ladies' Man joke uh, and all of that good stuff. So yeah, uh, the Ladies' Man hit theaters back in 2000. Now, 26 years ago on October 14th, got to mention this because it was a game changer for sure. And that was when mad TV launched as Fox sketch show after in living color went under and as a competitor to Saturday night live. So yeah, 26 years ago, October 14th, 1995 is when the sketch show aired. I mentioned in living color went under due to an endless stream of creative differences between the creators and the network uh, and the goal was simple. Create a competitor to SNL, like I mentioned, which was going through one of its worst creative periods at the time. Seemed as vulnerable as it ever could be. So, Mad TV would go on at 11 in that Saturday night slot and attempt to grab the audience that was conditioned to, I guess, crave it sketch comedy programming at that hour and keep them from flipping to SNL at 11.35. Low-risk, high-reward experiment, and the one that sort of worked because Mad TV lasted for 14 seasons. That is a long time, 14 seasons. But as we know, it never dethroned SNL, didn't even escape the shadow. So you might say, well, what went wrong? Well, for one, SNL slump ended at the exact same time that Mad TV's debuted because Will Ferrell, among other new cast members like Molly Shannon, and all of that reinvigorated the Saturday Night Live show. Uh, the other thing, Fox took the opposite approach with Mad TV that it did with In Living Color. So the network didn't own a piece of the show and became very hands off. So Fox never fully got behind Mad TV. Never really promoted it. It was very rare that they promoted the show ever. And then another thing is that perhaps the biggest thing is that SNL's legacy and institutional advantages. In the areas that grew to move the needle for sketch shows, not every sketch is a hit on either show. But SNL was live. Mad TV wasn't. So adding that air of unpredictability, spontaneity, SNL could also lean on its brand as surprise celebrity cameos became increasingly important to uh, really keep those sketches or keep those sketches Ah, uh, keep those sketches and create musty moments. And when it came to political sketches and election years, let's be real. Saturday Night Live, even still to this day, uh, blows everybody away. And it really did Mad TV at that time. So the result, Mad TV was always pretty much the Pepsi to SNL's Coke. And during times when other sketch shows like Chappelle's Show emerged, Mad TV ended up becoming more of the RC Cola. But the Mad TV brand does still have some equity. 14 years on air, like I said, is a long time, and that's not an accident. Plus, MAD TV launched quite a few huge names, including Kee and Peel, Patton Oswald. Uh, I did forget this, though. They tried a 2016 reboot on the CW, lasted one season. But if they tried that just a few years ago, I have a feeling that at some point we might see another iteration of that come down the pipeline in the near future. Some other things that happened on. Uh, this date, October 14th, well, the first home video game console was released in 1977. And that is, of course, the Atari was released. And I got to grow up playing a little bit of the Atari. Really dug the Atari. There are some good games on Atari. The E.T. game, not good. Not good on Atari. Uh, but a lot of games were pretty pretty damn fun on the Atari system. Uh, Wayne Gretzky scored his first NHL goal in 1979. And then this is pretty cool. A lot of films hit theaters in 1994 on October 14th. Little Giants, Exit to Eden. Yeah, that's right. Exit to Eden, Hoop Dreams. And then one of the biggest ones as well, Uh, Pope Fiction made its debut in theaters in 1994. And maybe down the road we'll do a fun Quentin Tarantino-based episode Uh, Because for the longest time, I called Pulp Fiction my favorite Quentin Tarantino movie. But as the years have grown, as we've now gotten 26, 27 years removed now from that film being released, uh, I don't know if I would call Pulp Fiction my all-time favorite Quentin Tarantino movie anymore. So maybe we'll do a fun Quentin Tarantino bracket of his films at some point, uh, break them down and Maybe see if some special guests want to come on the show and talk Quentin Tarantino as well. But that's just some of the things happening in the Wayback Wednesday machine on this date, looking at things that had been happening uh, and going down in the world of pop culture. Now, some other things happening in pop culture uh, is The Rock and Vin Diesel. They are still trading blows. And in fact, in a new interview with Vanity Fair that's coming out, The Rock admits that he shouldn't have called out Vin's candy-ass behavior publicly, but he says he stands by what he said, and he even added that the Fast and the Furious crew had his back. He said, quote, it was as if every single crew member found their way to me and either quietly thanked me or sent me a note. Now, The Rock and Vin had a meeting after everything blew up on the Fast and the Furious set some years back. Now, they did not make peace. They just agreed that their, quote, philosophically two different people. They approach the business of movie making in two very different ways. And according to the rock in this vanity fair article, his way is considered everyone working on a film as quote equal partners with respect, with humility and being respectful of the process and every other human being who's putting in just as much time, just as much hard work and sweat equity, if not more which really is just a backhanded way of saying Vin is the opposite of that. But also at the end of the day, I feel like there was no reason for The Rock to keep dragging this feud out. You start the comment by saying, uh, I probably shouldn't have publicly said those things about Vin and his behavior, but hold on a second. Let me double down, triple down, and quadruple down on this and actually say that this guy is an asshole And I believe everybody that works on this film is great. He doesn't really care about the grip or catering or this person or that person or the assistant DP and things like that. Like, there was no need for this. There was no need for a wrestling shoot on Vin Diesel at this point. There was no need to keep this feud going. So, this is actually one of the rare occasions in which I go, man, I know I'm a big Rock fan. I know I'm a big Dwayne Johnson defender. Love his tequila. Love everything about him. But this is a moment in which I go, what was the point? Why? Like, you're The Rock. You're going to be fine. You don't need to keep a feud with Vin Diesel going. You've you've got plenty of things. You've got your Fast and the Furious spinoffs. Go do your Hobbs and Shaw stuff. You're good. Go make another Jungle Cruise movie like you are. You're good. You're fine, Rock. No need. No need to keep this feud going, but... Uh, It is still going, and we'll see if Vin Diesel has a response, because I'm sure at some point Vin Diesel will have a response to that. Uh, Some other news that I thought was really cool, this was actually announced late last week. Got to bring it up, though. That 70s show getting a spinoff, that 90s show, over at Netflix, and they're bringing back Kurt Woodsmith and Deborah Jo Rupp, who were Kitty and Red Foreman, or I should say Red and Kitty Foreman, uh, since I named Kurtwood Smith first and Deborah Joe Rupp second. But Red and Kitty Foreman from the original series, plus the original creators are coming back. So the show is going to take place in Wisconsin in 1995. Red and Kitty are grandparents. Their granddaughter, Leia, the daughter of Eric and Donna, going to be visiting them for the summer while making new friends with the kids in Point Place. Uh, Leia will be, quote, under the watchful eye of Kitty, and the stern glare of red because sex, drugs, and rock and roll never dies. It just changes clothes. This is going to be a 10-episode season. No word if other actors are going to return or make guest appearances. you got to imagine that, uh, unfortunately, Hyde, I I don't even want to say unfortunately, but you got to imagine that Hyde uh, is not going to be involved in any form of this. Uh, Since the actor Danny Masterson has been accused of a lot of things, a lot of not good things, and he actually got dropped from the Netflix series The Ranch due to those accusations and ongoing lawsuits and things like that. Uh, So uh, you got to imagine that Danny Masterson won't be involved, but I I don't see why you can't get like an Ashton Kutcher back. I don't see why uh, you won't be able to get Topher Grace and... Uh, Donna as well, uh, Lauren uh, Prepon, prepon uh, especially since she's been a part of Orange is the New Black, so she's been working with Netflix over the years. I, I just, you know, but I was a huge fan of that 70s show. I really loved that show growing up. Uh, you know, I, I'll, I'll admit uh, I got more into it when it actually hit syndication while it was still on Fox. Like, I'd seen a little bit of season one, liked it, and then didn't really watch a lot of season two, three, or four. And then like by season five, it ended up on like FX and syndication to where I started watching it. And then I jumped back into the show in real time. And over the years, I've, I've seen every episode of that show multiple times over. Uh, I have some of my favorites. I have some of my least favorites. But I think that show was one of the best that uh, really came out in that time frame of television in the late 90s uh, through the 2000s, the early 2000s. It it really was a great show. Now, you might remember that they did try, Fox did at least, in 2002. There was that 80s show. So they tried this spinoff once before. That only lasted one season. But part of that 80s show issue was it, it really just tried to capitalize off the idea of let's set a show in the decade and do things with it where that 90s show is leaning into, yes, we're setting it in a decade, the year 1995, yada, yada, yada. And and I think that's a great time as well, 1995. I can only imagine uh, where's Red is still at. Is he still the starch starch Republican, Uh, especially in 95 where you're going to start getting into things like the Clinton administration uh, and stuff like that going on in the country? So I, I'm really curious with that, but but that's the thing. This show, to me, is leaning more on characters we love as opposed to when they tried that 80s show, it was really just take this concept of stick a bunch of kids in a decade and let's make decade jokes about this show. Also, we weren't really in the 80s nostalgia moment at that time in 2002. Like, if that 80s show tried maybe, like, five or six or seven, eight years ago. Could have worked back when we were really getting the big nostalgia feels for all things 80s. But we are starting to make that shift into the 90s now and the nostalgic things. I think Stranger Things, uh, while that's kind of been the big show everybody thinks of of looking back to the the 80s and remembering the 80s and stuff like that, uh, I've noticed, though, that shows like that Uh, are starting to make their way towards the 90s, and we're starting to see a lot of 90s nostalgia pop up, which, scary to think that we're going to end up in 90s nostalgia, but with that being a thing that's on the horizon, I look forward to seeing what that 90s show has to offer. Uh, Also, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, we now know uh, that Adam Warlock will be appearing after being teased in the mid-credit scenes Of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 as the big threat to the Guardians, a way to destroy the Guardians of the Galaxy. And we now know that Will Poulter is going to be starring as Adam Warlock in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Uh, I've liked everything I've seen Will Poulter in Midsummer, um, We're the Millers. So he's, he's got a good resume. I'm curious to see him as Adam Warlock. Uh, I also think that with James Gunn constantly reminding all of us that he plans on killing one of the Guardians in the upcoming film, that Adam Warlock's going to play a part in that. And that probably is going to put Adam Warlock on a cool path moving forward in the next phases of the Marvel Cinematic Universe because, of course, Adam Warlock, powerful superhero fought the Guardians, has fought beside the Guardians. uh. So uh, I'm curious to see if this is going to be one of those he comes in, uh, kills one of the Guardians, maybe maybe Star-Lord does die in, in the upcoming film, and that's how you get another Hollywood Chris out of the MCU. Uh, you know, I don't know who's going to die, honestly, but I feel that Adam Warlock will 100% play a role in, in the upcoming Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, uh, James Gunn promising that somebody's going to die, so we'll see, but uh, we now have our Adam Warlock for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Now, some other news. Uh, This weekend, there is a movie opening with Ben Affleck and Matt Damon called The Duel. It is a period piece. Uh, It looks really good. I'm very interested in it. It's directed by Ridley Scott, director of Gladiator, who says that At some point, he's also going to be making Gladiator 2. He's going off to film a movie now, and then after that, Gladiator 2 should be ready to go. But what we did learn in a recent interview is that Matt Damon and Ben Affleck almost shared their first on-screen kiss in that upcoming movie, The Duel. Apparently, the scene is a big party, and as I mentioned, it's a period piece, and the way that that party would have gone back in that time is everybody kisses everybody on the lips. So... Matt would have had to kiss Ben Affleck on the lips, but director Ridley Scott has cut the scene. Uh, It was actually written out as well, but Ridley Scott decided that the idea of Matt Damon and Ben Affleck sharing a kiss would be too distracting. And I think he's right. I, I would agree that if I was watching that movie and then Matt and Ben kissed, the little boy in me would be like, hee hee hee, Matt and Ben just kissed, that's so cool, and be taken out of this film when this is a movie that looks like it's going to have a lot of things, uh, really tackling a lot of different issues, a lot of different uh, moments in history as well, uh, things that are kind of maddening that we realize that there was a time and period, uh, again, period piece, but there was a time and period that this type of, Ah, uh, behavior was accepted because the concept behind that movie is that uh, Matt Damon is getting into a duel because while he was away, his wife was assaulted by Adam Driver. She claimed he, you know, he claims affair. She claims I was assaulted. So it becomes the he said she said, uh, and now one of the last duels to occur because Matt Damon is going to defend his wife's honor. So. Uh, looks like it's going to be a movie that tackles a lot of things. So, yeah, I get why they cut the scene because, again, it would be distracting. But uh, it, the shared their first on screen kiss comment is what is kind of eye opening as well. Because, read between the lines on that Matt and Ben almost shared their first on screen kiss. Does that mean Matt and Ben have kissed before? Not on screen? Because when you hear the way that it's worded, it sounds like Matt and Ben are admitting like, yeah, we've 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 kissed each other a couple times, but uh, just never done it on screen yet. So something to ponder as you listen to this show. And then the last bit of news I got kind of an interesting, uh, funny one. But Demi Lovato wants you and me and all of us to stop calling green space creatures aliens because it's offensive And we should just say extraterrestrials instead. To which, thank you, Demi Lovato. I did not realize somebody needed to speak up for all the green aliens out there. All of them that so desperately needed our help. uh, Needed needed your help, I should say, to stop us from calling them aliens and disrespecting Martians. And that's the other thing. Should we stop calling Martians Martians? I know that Martians are from Mars, but... Should we just call them Mars people? Like, is Martians now derogatory? So, yeah. And, of course, Demi Lovato is only saying this because if you didn't know, she has a show on the Peacock streaming service in which Demi Lovato and her friends go out searching for aliens and... Oh, I'm sorry. Searching for es- extraterrestrial life, not aliens, because that's just inappropriate, according to Demi Lovato. And I know I said that was the last story, but I actually got a. Hit on this, uh, the Scream trailer debuted yesterday, so I want to give a quick trailer reaction to that because that was one hell of a trailer that they dropped. So many questions I now have following the Scream 5 trailer. I, I loved the homage in the opening of the trailer to the Drew Barrymore Casey moment of the first film. I love the moment... We see Dewey. We see Dewey looks very much disheveled. Uh, he's got the beard. He looks run down. So I'm curious if Dewey's even still a part of the police department anymore in this film. Or if he's kind of re- retired, resigned, stepped away. But he's got a little more of that. He, he seems a little more out there than the traditional kind of goofiness that Dewey is. So I'm curious about that. Uh, I love this trailer, though, for just introducing us to this cool concept that it's not just a new group of kids being stalked. It's actually kids with connections to the previous film's killers. So uh, a lot going on. I I love the introduction as well to Cindy in this film, uh, or in this trailer, I should say, because I feel like this is one of the first times that she's been presented in more of a badass way. Uh, I, I don't know why, but I always feel like she's always kind of been as far as final girls go and as far as heroes in these films. She's kind of lacked a certain, you know, like what a Laurie Strode brings to the table or, um, you know, uh, any of the uh, just any of the survivors. Uh, more specifically, I'm thinking Friday the 13th part two, uh, you know, like just there's a certain something about her character that seems a little different than like that of like a Nancy in the, in the nightmare on Elm streets and stuff like that. And our introduction to her in this trailer is like, I'm Sydney Prescott. Of course I've got a gun. It's like, okay, she's a bit of a badass this time. And, and seems a lot more hardcore than traditionally she's been presented in these films. So, uh, curious with that. Uh there's there's a lot of there's a moment in the trailer where there's a lot of quick shots being thrown at you. One of them is that of Gail Weathers screaming and I have a weird feeling that that might be a moment in which somebody she knows and somebody she cares about is going to get X'd out uh 86th out of the movie, 86th out of the script and I I I really do feel like that might be Dewey Because also watching the trailer, I noticed there's dewy heavy in the beginning. And then as we get closer to the end, very dewy-less. So I've stated it before, and I'm going to state it again. I've stated this on my other podcast, Hunters Podcast. I've just stated this in real life. But for those of you listening, I'm going to say it again. This film, one of the main three needs to die. They do. They really do at this point. Because you cannot convince me Five times over, Dewey's going to be stabbed and brought to near death and then survive. Or Gail is going to be put in a situation where there's no way any other character is surviving this, but she is because, well, you know, she's the main character. Or for that matter, even Cindy. Can't have the Nev Campbell character again walk away, just beat up, and it's oh, same old, same old. One of these three needs to go. In order to make the stakes that much more important and that much higher, I thought maybe they would do this in the beginning of the movie, but I'm starting to get the feeling from the trailer again that I'm my my bet would be Dewey is going to get it at some point towards the middle of the film, probably at some point where we start really taking off, like in the second act, or that huge moment to come towards the end of the second act that starts putting all the pieces that starts starts laying out the pieces of where we're going to go in the third act of this movie. So yeah, I'm I'm at this point after that first trailer, I'm I'm a betting person of I do believe that they are going to off one of these three main characters returning. I think it's going to be Dewey. And I also wanted to say this about the trailer as well. I love the fact that we are going back to Stu's house. Yeah, if you didn't catch that uh when watching the trailer, uh, well, first of all, I know it's a little late now, but pause this show, go watch the trailer, then come back and listen to the final 30 seconds. But I, again, wonderful trailer, fully in. I'm not worried at all. It comes from the guys that did uh, Behind Ready or, or Ready or Not. So I'm, I'm very interested to see what they do with this. And I think this was a strong first trailer and very excited for the fifth film in the Scream franchise. So that'll do it. Getting on out of here. The Mr. Wonderful Show this week. Again, like, subscribe, rate, share the show, leave a review, uh, help people find this show if you really like what we are doing here. Until next week, peace and love.